Let us get back to the scripture. As we do, I want to read from chapter 23 and then from chapter 30 of Jeremiah on this third lesson that I think whispers the name of Jesus from this prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1. Here again, another prophetic judgment. Woe to the shepherds. And by shepherds, there Jeremiah is probably pointing both to the elders of Israel, the leaders, as well as those who have been and are king. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You've scattered my flock and have driven them away. You've not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them and they, will, they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people out of, of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of the countries where he had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. And then in chapter 30, just a few of these verses, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, writes in the book all the words that I have spoken to you. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall take possession of it. And then verse 8. And it shall come to pass in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off your neck, and I will burst your bonds, and foreigners shall no more make a servant of him. But they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. You remember, that when God first called Jeremiah, he called him, yes, to be a prophet of judgment, and he says, you will pluck up and destroy. But he also said, you will build up and plant. And so it shouldn't surprise us when intermingled with all of these judgment passages are passages of restoration, passages of renewal. Like, like this one, where God says, all right, after 70 years, a, a time will come when the people will, will return. Again, no surprise to us because we know of what God had said to Jeremiah, that he would not only destroy, but he was also build, not only pluck up, but he would plant. And so we see that in these prophecies of restoration. And not only that, it shouldn't surprise us because we know God to be a merciful God. And not only that, it shouldn't surprise us because God had promised all the way back in the Garden of Eden that one would come who would break the power of evil. He would come and, and, and crush the head of this serpent. Though his heel would be bruised, he would crush the head of this serpent, Satan. And so that hasn't happened yet. And so we would expect that that is going to come. And, and in the midst of those promises, you remember, he made promises God did to this man, Abraham. 
And he said to Abraham, the one's going to come from your seed, one of your descendants, who's going to bless all of the families, all of the nations of the earth. Not only that, he, he promised to Abraham that you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And so how do we make that square with, with what's happening now that this nation that seemed to have been built up is now being destroyed? This nation that was built up is now being exiled. This nation that was being built up and there was a temple and a city and all of that. Now all of that destroyed. How, how do we measure that with all that God had, had promised? And so there should be an expectation in us. Something still has to happen here. So no surprise when God said after 70 years, then I'll, I'll restore this city. I'll restore this, this place. And, and not only that, he made a promise. God had before to, to David, the great king of Israel. And he said, a day is going to come when your throne will be reestablished and one will sit upon this throne and rule over my people. No surprise then that these prophecies of restoration, and they're sweet ones as we've read, that God says, I'm going to take you from all the countries where you've been and where you've been exiled, and I'm going to bring you back. And indeed, that did happen. By 539 B.C., you know, the city was ultimately destroyed, 588-87 B.C., 539 B.C., there was this one, a Persian king named Cyrus who had been raised up by God and, and there was a conquering of the Babylonians who had conquered the, the, the people of Judah at this point in time. And, and, and the Persian king Cyrus gave a decree, as God had said he would, that the people who were from Judah could go back and rebuild their city. And so they did. Ezra and Zerubbabel brought back various ones who had come back and, and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Eventually, Nehemiah, you might remember, comes back and he's called by God to rebuild the walls around the city. And, and all of that gets done. But even at that point, you get the sense it's not all done done. Because the temple doesn't measure up to the glory that had been promised. And still, there is no king who's sitting on David's throne. There is no one who is ruling and reigning. They're still being occupied by other nations, still being ruled by other kings. And, and so none of that says yet to come true. And, and so you get a sense that in these prophecies of, of both destruction and restoration, there's just foreshadowings of something that is to come. As, as these prophecies in the Old Covenant, there, there is an immediate kind of fulfillment, but there's also a fulfillment off in the distance very often. Something still to come with that. And, and we see there's something still to come with that. Even upon these words of prophecy from Jeremiah of restoration, how is this real restoration to come? And we see it in this one named Jesus. This whispers his name. The son of David. You remember Joseph receives a a message from this angel to speak to him of his fiancée Mary who has a child. And Joseph knows they've never been sexually intimate. How can that be? And the angel reminds him and tells him, don't worry, it's of the Holy Spirit, not another man. It's of the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son, this one, who is the very son of David. You remember the angels making the announcement of the birth of Jesus, that in the city of David today has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, you remember when Jesus comes on the scene, those in need cry out to him, Son of David, have mercy upon us. You remember that when Jesus speaks of himself, he speaks in these Davidic kinds of terms. In fact, one day he speaks to the religious leaders and he said, who, who is the Christ? Whose son is he? And they say, he's the son of David. And Jesus, in a sense, says, you're right, but, but, but think about this. He's both David's son and David's Lord. <laughs> himself, Jesus 
this very one son of David. On that Palm Sunday morning, as, as, as we know it, Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem. And what do they speak to him? They speak of him as the son of David. They speak of Hosanna, this one upon whose throne this king will sit, this king who is to come. He is the son of David. He is the fulfillment. He is the one whispered by Jeremiah. He is the one who brings all of this, you see, to completion. He is the king. No surprise then that when Jesus comes on the scene, he speaks of a kingdom. And he speaks of it like this. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is right here. It's at hand. See, that would be the fulfillment of everything they had thought. God's kingdom, God's rule is coming upon the earth. And here it is in this person of Jesus. Jesus saying, it's right here, it's in me. I'm bringing this kingdom because I'm the king of this kingdom. I've come to conquer sin and death. And I've come to bring the very kingdom of God on the very face of the earth. The very rule of God. And he says to them, here's how you enter into this kingdom. It isn't by your natural birth that you come. Because he speaks of this kingdom to this man, Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus, you remember, asking him what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God. No one can understand the kingdom of God. No one can perceive the kingdom of God unless he's been born again, unless he's been born from above, unless he's been born of the Spirit. He says it's going to take a spiritual rebirth in order for you to see, to perceive this kingdom. He says no one can enter this kingdom Unless he enters by, by water, right? Cleansing. And this rebirth, this spiritual renewal. And that's the work of God. He says God must do a work in a person's life to bring them. And thus bring to a point of repentance where you turn away from every other kingdom. You turn away from your own kingdom. You turn away from the kingdom of Satan. You turn away from the kingdom of this world. You turn away from any other rule. And you come and you enter into my rule. That's it. And in entering into my rule, you realize that I rule by mercy and grace. I rule by forgiveness. And you live by repentance and confession and faith. See, it's the longing, really, should be the longing of every heart for the rule of Christ, for the kingdom of God. Every longing, however perverted it might be in the human heart, that love would rule and reign is a longing for the kingdom of God. Every ruling that people be treated justly and right is a longing for the kingdom of God. Every longing that we have for people to be cared for and well is a longing for the kingdom of God to come. Because you see, it's sin that that brings all of the misery in every one of its forms. It's the kingdom of God, you see, that comes and removes that and, and takes that away. And the question for us is, when does this kingdom really come? Now or later? And of course the answer is yes. It has come in, in its inaugural form. It's come in Jesus. It's come by way of His Spirit now as he, as he draws us into this kingdom under His rule and blesses and forgives and all of that. And then He sends us out and He says, Make this invisible kingdom visible. Show the very kingdom of God by your lives and by your actions. Uh, bring others in as you, as you speak this word of the kingdom, this powerful word of gospel that pulls people into a knowledge of God. And live this out. 
Yet, of course, it hasn't come in its fullness. We know that, but a day is still coming when this prophecy in Jeremiah that's been fulfilled in Jesus comes to its utter fulfillment, its utter consummation. And, of course, there's great debate in the church about the land promises and all that that means. But everybody knows this, that a day will come when the whole earth will be the new Jerusalem. And all who dwell on it will live under the rule and reign of God. John, the apostle, saw it. He said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they'll be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Every longing, every righteous longing will be satisfied.